0: Welcome to episode 135 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. I'm Brian Lovin. Today we caught
1: up with Jasper Hauser. He is a designer. He's the co-founder of Sofa, which was acquired by Facebook, and he's been at Facebook for the last five years. So we dig into all of his work from Amsterdam to Silicon Valley. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Before we get into that, we want to thank our sponsor for making this episode possible. Bueno. Bueno is one of our favorite agencies doing amazing work for amazing clients with some of our favorite people in the world they're building a really amazing team and you should check them out they're wayno.co u-e-n-o o.co. why are they sponsoring this podcast well they want you to know that they exist they want you to check out their work go check out their dribble if you need some inspiration and if you want to join their team of incredible designers go to wayno.co click the careers link in the header and tell them we sent you if you want to meet up before then, they do a weekly happy hour every Friday evening at their office here in San Francisco. So if you're in the Bay Area, follow them on Twitter. Wayno.co, spelled out is their handle, and come hang out. They have a designer on, they do an open QA. Just grab some drinks with some friends. It is always fun, and Brendan and I would love to see you there. Check them out. Wayno.co, an agency here in San Francisco with offices in New York and Iceland, doing some of the best work in the industry for amazing clients and you should work there. Tom, we sent you. Do it. Thanks so much to Wayno for making this episode possible. And with that, let's get into episode 135 with Jasper Hauser.
2: So, hi, my name is Jasper Hauser, and um, I'm, a, I'm a designer. Uh, I've done many different things, but I think at heart I'm a, I'm a designer.
1: Okay. What are you working on right now?
2: Um, I'm working on being a dad at home, which is uh, very different very intense way more intense than that I sounds it way harder <laughs> you should just stick with design man <laughs> no seriously i've just grown so accustomed to like design being easy now for me uh but uh, being a dad is is hard but it's fun it's it's good fun i'm getting better at it but it's not it's not easy
1: some people say it's a design challenge do you subscribe to that? Oh, that sounds hokey. I know it
0: sounds if hokey. If you translate
2: design <laughs> being problem solving, absolutely yes. Okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> but design is everything at this point, right? Like yes. we've defined design as everything on earth.
2: I agree. Yes. Then That's yes.
0: true. We should start at the very beginning because we've got a lot of
1: things to go through. Sure. Uh, where are you from?
2: I am from Amsterdam, the Netherlands, okay. across the pond, okay. like Europe. It's the mm-hmm. teeny tiny country that yes. I don't know. Everybody knows about
1: by the <laughs> uh from a city small town
2: I'm actually born and raised from Amsterdam literally, literally Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Amsterdam literally Amsterdam.
0: Amsterdam yep nice when did you get into design
2: ooh uh long time ago <laughs> um, i guess the, the um,
0: <laughs> i guess that's the answer we were hoping for
2: but... the well the the answer is a bit tricky um because it depends um, I consider my, myself always having been sort of in art and design, which I guess to a large part is due to the fact that my mother studied um, ceramics at the Rietveld Academy, which is a well-known art academy in the Netherlands. And then uh, my, my my father studied both graphic design and uh, music composition. Wow. And so I, I grew up in a house where it was nurtured and supported to, to be artistic and, and do stuff like that. And so... I started, I guess, like earliest designing was designing album covers for my dad's yes. CDs nice. and stuff like awesome. that, <laughs> or paper money, or like, uh-huh. I've just been designing forever. I don't know. Paper
0: money—that sounds you know, like an interesting story.
2: Notes, yeah, those are awesome. S-
0: so you're just designing it for fun, or
2: yeah. or counterfeiting? <laughs> Somewhere in between. <laughs> um, well, the the cool story there is that um, the Netherlands. Um, the The money we used to have, and the name of the designer is slipping um, my mind here, uh, which is sad because he's like, uh, oh here, here it is Oetje Oxenaar who's actually, I think or at least used to be, but might actually still be a uh, a teacher at RISD, but he um, he designed the Dutch banknotes back in the day when we still held guilders uh-huh. instead of the euro uh-huh. um, and the Dutch banknotes were actually considered the best designed uh, notes banknotes in the world. Hmm. Uh, they're gorgeous. I have who a vote- set of them. I have them framed. Oh, they're shit. amazing.
1: Uh, who voted for them?
2: I don't know. International, whatever, back in, you know, when that was yeah. the Thing. thing. Yeah.
1: What do you think of- Money people. What do you think of US currency design? No, no comment. <laughs>
2: oh, come on. Not, <laughs> no. even, not even it's bad? <laughs> I'm, no. I'm not even going to go there. You guys look up OJ Oxenar and the Dutch guild wanna- notes, and then we talk. Okay. You don't, okay.
0: don't want to, like, disparage people's work, but- you know it's good when you see it. <laughs> I think, I mean,
1: we have this conversation anytime we talk with someone from out of the U.S., like our money makes no sense. I
2: actually... Ha, I actually sense, it's a pun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey.
2: I actually, um, I think there's the design aspect of, of, of paper money. I actually like the physical aspect of paper money, no matter mm-hmm. uh, where it comes from. I, it's actually one of the aspects that I, I, I find um, people don't talk about. Uh, enough. The aesthetics are very easy to talk about, I, but I actually think the utility um, and the way they are used and how people use it in many different ways for many different things is actually what attracts me most to uh, to paper money as a as a sort of an object. I find it fascinating.
1: Yeah. Well, for me, it goes beyond the aesthetic too. I think of I guess. I'm trying to remember the countries like certainly Australia the euro like they use size and color even texture. thinking about like texture and the the tear proof stuff like mm-hmm. all that is designed right Yes
2: it's um It's industrial design right It yes it yeah. it's industrial design but the the complexity required with in designing it is utterly astounding. We think our job is hard like <laughs> like making software for security layers tons and of everything. People. No, it takes roughly 5 to 10 years to design a note. And you're like, how the hell is that possible? How hard can it be? Is that through
0: like meetings approval and everything?
2: <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um it, there, there's actually like you as an outsider you can't legally un, un know or uh, like get or acquire the books that have the definitions, the specifications of the technical requirements of banknotes. you can imagine if those would leak, but they're like so you have to
0: kind of fake it or what? <laughs>
2: they're like two thousand <laughs> pages thick. They're Just guess at what they are, and, <laughs> what, and they'll once, be like, "Well, you missed
0: one. We well, can't once, tell you what it is."
2: And once you become the designer for it, you get to read it. Oh, okay, but it, it, I'm, I'm guessing it takes you half a year to read it. And how like it, how the I'm I don't know how to make something for this.
1: How would one become a designer of like a country's currency. I, I have no idea. How, well, how do you have all this domain knowledge? So, does this come from I when just
2: you read stuff? Just about over time. It. Yeah.
1: Okay. But when you were a kid, also, you were designing paper notes.
2: Well, I mean, like my dad was a graphic designer right. and collected stamps. He would tell me about stuff like this. And I just loved uh, the paper money. I was obsessed cool. about it. I loved stamps. And so, those were the kinds of things I would draw and, and okay. fiddle around with. Uh, I remember spirographs. Those are awesome.
1: I don't know spirographs.
0: Those you don't awesome. remember Spirographs? What's that, dude? They're these things like they hold a pen and they like spin around and stuff and make these really cool patterns. Yeah, they're Look, amazing. I think now they they that like you described
2: spin- it, I might have an image in my head. But they I were like don't my really favorite like, toy as a kid. They're the circles or the ovals with the the um, the teeth, the tooth edges. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you could twist them around each other and they'd make all kinds of fancy. It's, it's like
0: it's incredible. It's like intro to programmatic design. Yes. Because you're just layering Physical, things yeah, yeah. together <laughs> until awesome. it comes out with something really cool. <laughs> oh, okay. They're so awesome.
2: Remember all the, the Facebook F8 beautiful yeah. line yeah. patterny stuff? That stuff. Yes. But then old school analog. E. Cool. Okay. Yeah.
1: Did you study design at any point? Yeah,
2: or? I studied graphic design.
1: In college? University?
2: I, art <laughs> Academy. I have no art idea academy. what that
0: can I go back just a bit? When when was the CD cover money bit? The album cover stuff?
2: Early teens. Okay. Yeah. I just Early wanted teens.
0: context. Um, so then, what was your first design job?
2: Like, real job? Yeah. Jeez.
0: When did you get paid?
2: When did I get paid?
0: I think most of us have jobs between, like, school and actual design, like, where you're getting paid for design, but...
2: I, I guess a lot of this went in parallel for me, um, I think... Probably in college, I, d- I did some small things for f- okay. family, friends and, you know, small stuff here and there. I don't remember if I got paid or not, mm. which wasn't a priority back then. I know, I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> or even later. So my first, des- I, I, I don't know, it's difficult. I, I, I freelanced and so it wasn't okay. really like I didn't work for somebody yeah. until I founded Sofa. A design was really a thing that I did on my own.
1: Got it. Let's get to that in a minute. Yeah. she so went to an art academy for graphic design. Yep. Okay. Were you freelancing at the same time? Yep. Okay. Did you like freelancing?
2: I did. Um, I learned a lot from it. Um, I found it interesting challenge, but obviously over the years, I, I sort of also grew to understand the, the pros and cons of either side. Um, main con being uh, the the handoff and not being able to to, uh, to continue to work on it, which, to be fair, like as a graphic designer, just designing it and then handing off was, was the deal. That's how it worked. It was printed, and then it was done. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I sort of slipped into doing uh, digital design, icon design, worked on some products here and there, to me, it became very quickly clear that there was an opportunity after that, which was like, get it out there, learn from people and then iterate. iterate. Yeah. And that's where the learning happened. And like, I did that for three years and I was like, hang on, I'm not getting the thing I want. Let's change that.
1: How did that slip happen? When did you start becoming interested in the digital, the software side of design?
2: When I got a computer.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Simple. Okay. Yeah. I just, um, I guess like, I actually don't know. It's just a thing that, that happened. I got I guess like when I got an Apple computer, when I started reading about the the Apple Fora um, resource edit, all kinds of nerdy old Mac OS 8, 9 stuff, uh-huh. uh, that sort of got me hooked. And that's where I sort of started doing a little bit of web design, which was one of the first things we learned in school, uh, separate from all graphic design. It was web like, design? Web design was the only digital thing we did.
0: Honestly, like looking back at the tools people had when digital design was starting, it's amazing that they were able to teach themselves to do this thing.
2: Yeah, it's I mean utterly I...
0: incredible. There there wasn't internet.
2: <laughs> the the internet, yeah. I, I didn't have internet at school or I had internet at school, which was a network and I didn't have the, the internet at okay. home.
0: I mean, you no know, like Wikipedia <laughs> didn't exist, right? Like PSD tuts wasn't a thing. Right.
2: They just, yeah, that just started. It was kind of rough.
1: How did you get good? How did you teach yourself when you didn't even have internet at home?
2: There are no standards, right? <laughs> n- I just just did stuff Fucked around for long <laughs> enough <laughs> i don't think i don't think i knew i was good for a very 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 long time and i still don't consider myself good i just keep trying that's all i do i, yes. and I just have the grit that's all like you no give more. a lot of fuck <laughs> i give a lot of fucks and i just try and keep doing it over and over again
1: what happened after art academy what'd you do next
2: well, first of all, I didn't finish it. That was fun. Oh, uh, yes. Because I f- found a sofa.
0: So you dropped out. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. So sofa started very early on.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I was like, my life was a bit of a mess when I was in art school. Okay. Uh, family stuff. And um, so I kept not finishing it. So I like mm-hmm. didn't finish um uh, and kept doing the the later years again and then again twice and then I was like, eh, this is not working. Got it. And right around then I I bumped into Kuhn and Dirk and that's right around when we started Sofa. And so I think we collectively did not finish school. Wow. <laughs> and so started Sofa instead. I
0: actually know very little about Sofa. Can you kind of tell us about what that that is or was?
2: Yeah. Um Well, Sofa in the end, um, in 2011, when we we stopped and and joined Facebook, um, was a a, a software company. Mm -hmm. We transitioned actually from being a a sort of more um, software company and design consultancy because that was actually the way we we bootstrapped and and financed. Mm -hmm. So we never got an investment or any of that kind of stuff, which is cool uh, because we had no loans or crazy stuff like that. Um, so the early days, we we did a little bit more uh, outside projects and working together with other people in the later years. Um, we made software predominantly. Uh, and to be specific, Mac software. Right. Mm-hmm. Like properly niche.
1: How <laughs> did you meet Kun
0: and Opinionated.
2: <laughs> yes. How did we meet? Um, it's kind of happenstance. Um, so I think this was... When was this? This was uh, probably like 2005. I'd been at home, not being happy with school, freelancing. And uh, given that I wasn't at school as much, I wasn't working with people together as much. And I like at, at some point I was just really bummed. And I was like, God, I really need to find some people who like doing what I like doing. The problem in Art Academy, this was graphic design, like old school, like screen printing, letterpress. And my head was way somewhere else mac apps yeah <laughs> and um i found out that there were some mac developer get-togethers i followed some very gritty 320 pixel stream and there was a couple of guys showing an app which was checkout mm-hmm. and i was yes. like, huh interesting a couple of dudes making an app that seems reasonable that is for mac Hmm, maybe I should go talk to them. And so the day after I headed over there, talked to them. And basically from there, we kind of got talking. I started helping them. And uh, half a year later, we decided to to formally become a team or a company, or whatever you want to call it.
1: And Checkout was one of the apps that won an Apple Design Award.
2: In the end, yeah. yeah. A couple of years later. So
1: that happened later after yep. you'd been working on it. After you gave it the touch,
2: yes. <laughs> well, I mean, they 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 were showing it at that sort of Mac Developer event, which was teeny tiny, because this is Amsterdam mm-hmm. in early 2005. Mm-hmm. There weren't that many people doing that kind of stuff, um, and um, they had actually they they were working at an Apple store. Well, not an official Apple store. Remember, when Apple stores weren't run by Apple, like a licensed yeah. reseller yeah, yeah, like a or license something. Reseller. Yeah, 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 yeah. The
0: first one of those was in Minneapolis, where I grew up. Oh, oh. really? Wow. Mm-hmm. It was called First Tech. Hmm.
2: There we go. All those ticky.
0: I saw it in a documentary. I had no idea. I'd been dealing with these people. (laughs) Like I worked at a a big printing company and I worked in their IT department. So i had been working with these people forever. They were like our vendor, but I had no idea that they were like this big. And then I saw them in a documentary and I was like, holy shit. (laughs) That's like history.
2: No, I re- so Amsterdam, I remember those days because, like, those Mac resellers, there were tons of them. Yeah. And they were small, teeny tiny shops, totally. but there were tons of them. So anyhow, like, Kuhn and Dirk were working there. They were kind of pissed at the, the 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 point of sale system where they were using, and they decided, like, heck, we'll build our own. How hard could it be? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so... The famous last words. Yeah, so exactly. checkout was a POS system yep. for Mac specifically. Yep. Okay.
2: Talking about niche in, in niche... It's what?
0: Like, Does, doesn't every POS system want to
2: buy Macs to make it work? <laughs> These days, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 2005? Uh-uh. uh-uh. That was, I mean, the making the software ended up being the easy part. Getting retail to buy into Mac and then uh, all of the stuff around. So they're all running like
0: iMacs and stuff at that point or? No. What was the?
2: I have no, uh, I have what, no idea. I have no what did idea. You? Power <laughs> Macs? MS Dot No, I mean like I, were around, but like okay. most stores were, have, were running MS Dot stuff. Okay. It's the most horrible stuff ever.
0: I'm, I'm asking like, what, what were the kind of computers people were running your product on, Sorry.
2: Oh, sure, sorry, yeah, uh, just Max, yes, okay, yeah,
1: Ma- Max, yeah. So, sofa. I'm still just trying to form this in my head. Yeah, it was a mix of client work and consulting. Yep, you did stuff for people like Nike and Mozilla. Yep, but you also were building software like checkout. And then versions.
2: Yep, software was our goal. Yeah, design consulting was a means to an end. Yes, ah, I
0: love that. Okay, people are always like, "Well, I want to do a product company. I'm not going to do any freelance work." And I'm like, "Well, you kind of you might have
2: to." <laughs> well, we tried it for a little bit, and then we were like, "Dang, building software is kind of hard and expensive." Yeah, and like, where are we going to get it, get the money to do this? And I was like, uh, "I have an idea. Not particularly like my my." best idea but like we could try this sounds like Uh, it worked and it worked totally fine and the kind of crazy thing that that happened was that um with sort of the name and the products we built the apple design awards we actually got to a situation where we could sort of pick the clients we wanted and not Mm -hmm. have to do it full year round but like half half the year
0: was that like a specific like cutoff? like we work this way from january to june
2: it sort of depended on the as the okay. project came in. Um, and then once the, the clients got big enough and the project got big enough, you just picked one in a year and that was it. And that nice. was enough. And that was great. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. When I, I was digging through all the archives <laughs> yes. of the SOFA website, and there's a lot of engineers. Uh,
2: it was actually kind of 50-50, which was kind of wild. F-
1: between design and engineering? Yeah. But the designers were technical.
2: Uh, sure. Yes. Yeah.
1: So, Okay. That's a good way to clarify,
2: yeah. like a mix. A mix. Yeah, yeah, so a, you're saying we're
1: over-defining this.
0: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Should designers code Jasper? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> hey, um, from Is your... that an Amsterdam <laughs> joke? <laughs> well, it could be. Sure, yes. Let's yeah, go for the- It
1: answer. is now. Uh, from your perspective, why was Sofa successful?
2: Uh, we over-invested in experience. What do you mean by that? Um, we, we cared very, very deeply about- the experience we we provided around the utility our products provided to oh, people. Oh,
0: okay. I thought you were talking about like experience of people working there. This uh, is interesting. Okay. Awesome. I mean, like... So user experience. User experience, yeah. for
2: sure. I mean, um, we obviously spent a lot of... Detail and care also in like finding the right and best people Mm -hmm. uh, to join our company we were very picky Mm -hmm. and it was not easy because it's a is a competitive landscape nowadays but back then as well i mean we were competing with everybody in the bay area and a lot of the people that joined us were actually international which was kind of cool but yeah i think definitely it was really caring about like the problem we were trying to solve and making sure that once we we defined the problem that we also added a layer of um delight, right? That's how we call it these days. Mm-hmm. Delight. <laughs> just, just carrying a crap ton and spending a lot of time doing it again and again and again and again until the point you're like, Yeah, this is this is awesome.
0: This is actually a really cool thing.
2: Shipping. Yeah, but I say like overinvested because looking back and knowing what I know today, uh, I think we overdid it here and there. Uh, which is which is cool. Like no regrets. It's all cool. So, speaking of overdoing it, <laughs> you are a
0: master of aqua style icons. <laughs> <laughs> Was, yes. So, this constantly keeps coming up, the current style of icons versus the old style. Yeah. Where do you fall in the spectrum?
2: I, for me, it really depends on the platform.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you certainly done both.
2: I've done both. They 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 all have their own. Uh, their their own their own good in their own right. I um, maybe an interesting sort of side story here before I go, get to my answer. Uh, side stories are the best. <laughs> so one of the projects we did uh, with Sofa was we designed a bunch of icons for TomTom. Uh, TomTom is a uh, GPS service. Yep. Well, that uh, it like direction, like they call it a PND, personal navigation, navigation device. device. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that's our phone these days, but back then it was like a piece of hardware, uh, dedicated piece of hardware. And um, we did the icons for them and it was actually a pretty interesting um, exercise for us because one of the constraints they sort of had given us and I actually kind of believed in um, was that uh, any given screen, Uh, There were about six or nine icons, depending on the size of the P&D in question, or the model. And every icon had to have a different shape and a different color. Wow. Which is tricky. So we basically had to go screen by screen and make sure that we sort of made a system that made sure that like on any given screen, we could potentially swap out some colors. um, but. Also move around a little bit with the shape so that we w- would sort of fall within that constraint. And the reason for that was in the car, people had to operate that device in split seconds, right? They they explicitly wanted to make sure that you did not have to read text or that you had to figure out which of the five blue icons you had to tap. They were like triangular red, red right top. That's what they wanted people to be able to do. Um And so I I really like that a lot, that sort of mentality of like really think about it as like, how can you make sure that visually in a grid of icons, that one thing somebody wants to do is memorable and memorable, both from a shape and from a color and potentially also from a name perspective, but also from a location perspective, like how can you optimize that? And so we worked very hard to to sort of help facilitate that. Um, And so going back to your original question... That's what I personally miss a little bit, right? Shape is basically no longer a thing. On on Mac,
0: they're circles or like rounded rectangles that are turned slightly.
2: Basically, everything is either a rounded rectangle or a circle. So shape gone out the window. So the only thing we kind of have going is color. But even there, it's no longer like there's no depth anymore. There's no shading. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... To me, it's more more from a functional perspective. Like I feel like we had to give give in a little bit. I, I don't think we won in the end uh on on the on this we being designers uh, we being consumers or users of of these objects because i feel like sometimes i'm just like which seven blow icons i don't i actually have to look at the icon and really understand the glyph or really read the name if i really want to get to it um and it's obviously extreme um but I, i do feel like we've lost some of that um that being said it's not that bad really it's not i'm like nitpicking totally here I don't,
1: what's interesting to me is that there was just that era that that few year period where we were seeing gorgeous 3d icons with light and texture and even recreating machines i think of the, yep. the cappuccino yep. icon yeah which is now just a shape on yep. a on a color exactly. right yeah from your perspective like what was causing that change to happen uh where there was, like, this investment in the artistry of it and the presentation to now just, like, a shape and a gradient will do. Oh, it's come easier. on.
0: There was certainly investment. It just wasn't as much.
2: Right. So, there you go. Right? It is an investment. Yeah. It's just not as much. I mean, yeah, making those icons is a ridiculous amount of work. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, like... Mike Mattis, Brian Frick, yeah. me, a bunch of other people. We've made them. It's stupid, the amount of time we spent on them.
0: Um, how long would you say you spend on an icon like
2: that? I mean, full-time, probably a week or more, depending on like how complicated you want to have it. <laughs> what, what was the
0: process like for
2: that? Um, I think like process is very similar to any other, which is like sketch the hell out of it, research it. <laughs> um, I use uh, image search a lot. Mm -hmm. different product dribble google just to make sure that i have lots of reference material and depending on the complexity of the of the of the object that i'm trying to make Mm -hmm. either i go straight to photoshop because sometimes it's just like really easy to pull off um or in certain cases you'd go into uh, a 3d app because it's too too complicated or i don't know how to pull it off
0: render out the lighting and everything so you get the full effect
2: no most of the time I used to do it mostly or actually early days I didn't do anything. I'd ask a friend who'd be able to, <laughs> would have experience with 3d apps and to just like create a model for me. okay so at so Hugo was a blessing because he was totally into 3d Hugo Hugo von Um and um, he loved doing that and so he made a lot of the the, 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 the reference objects that I, I would use. Then in Photoshop and sort of like layer stuff on top of it. But yeah, I know a lot of guys would just do everything in Cinema 4D as well. I mean, the original Aqua icons were fully done in Cinema 4D. They were, they were not oh, wow. done in Photoshop. Or oh, anything, crazy. I had no
0: idea. Yeah. That's crazy.
2: Yeah. They had a full setup with lighting and everything. And you just could drop an object in there on the table. Look at the camera. Boom. There was.
1: From your point of view, do you ever see that aesthetic coming back? Or has that ship sailed in terms of?
2: I hope so. I like it, but I think I like it too. <laughs> I, I love it um, specifically for Mac. Like I, I think for mobile, that's a whole different ball game. Um, but I really like it uh, for for Mac. I think it's rich. It's yeah. You're, we're talking about big Retina displays with mm. billions of pixels in a couple of years. Like, please let's do that. There, it
0: can be refined as hell.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know, um, and I I don't think it needs to be as like kitsch as aqua was in the early days <laughs> yeah. i think there are definitely something no lickability uh, and some, <laughs> some some lickability but little, some lickability let's not go like all like candy apple on everything
0: <laughs> do you think much of that's going to come back for vr specifically
2: not in the short term
0: i feel like just they're starting to design in 3d again
2: yeah yeah no sure i just like performance Why we can't like the whole thing with aqua is that it's just like we're talking about complex rendering that you need to do, like I—I'm not kidding. I just made an icon for a friend, or I'm making an icon for a friend. I rendered a full version at 1024 a couple of days ago. It took me three and a half hours to render that. <laughs> Holy <out>. shit! <laughs> that was one single frame. That was insane. Holy shit! <laughs> uh, that sounds so,
0: like a Yasly kind of thing.
2: Yeah. So, so for VR, I—I I agree with you. But then I—we're I, talking about 3D objects, mm-hmm. not about the style. Okay. Um, I yeah.
1: I looked back through as much as I could find, and I'm looking at the icons like cappuccino, uh, disco stood out. Yeah. versions kaleidoscope. Yeah. yeah, all amazing. Like you look back and just be like, I can't believe this used to exist. Yeah, um, it's,
2: it's kind of a lost art. Yeah, it's well, kind of sad.
1: I know this is sort of just a silly question, but like, what was your favorite one of those to work on? What What felt the best for you when you finally saw that end product?
2: Well. Disco was fun because it was completely berserk. Yeah, Uh, even I was looking back at it yesterday. I was like, "What the hell was wrong with me?" But then uh, that That was my favorite one, by the way. (laughs) But um, well, the the drugs seemed really good. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I think the 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 whole point of the app was to really. Just throw ourselves out there and be weird, um, and uh, and I think the I mean like who the hell makes a smoke emitting window? What yeah. the heck? Uh-huh. And so like the icon is totally in line with that. Like, yeah. Disco ball with black flames around it. Sure, why not? So cool. Um. Nobody does that, and, and I, that, that was the whole whole point of the app. So there, that that was a like one of my earliest icons. Hugo made the rendering of the disco ball, which was amazing, and I just drip, like scrolled my stuff around it on Photoshop. Um. Checkout was one I'm, I was very Checkout. proud of because it was a very utilitarian um, app. Um, and the icon did a really good job of, of sort of explaining the two parts of, of it, right? Uh, which was that there was a sales part to it, but there was also like a management side to the app. And funnily enough, back in the day, there wasn't really sort of an icon for small business. And once we kind of put it out there, like, you now look, the the, 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 the yeah the awning, the, the awning, the red yeah. and white mm-hmm. awning. Checkout. I I'm not gonna say that you said that. But. <laughs> I, I've designed a few
0: <laughs> red and white awnings. Let's just leave it there.
2: <laughs> um,
0: but you trace th- it back. It
2: w- there was definitely stuff before checkout, um, but I think like checkout definitely was one of those that was widely seen, and so then a lot of people started adopting it even more. Um, but that that was fun. Um, versions was a really hard one to. There, there was like the third version. There was, we have a whole post on like the history of the versions icon. And oh, I didn't the find that. The one that's that that still is used today was the third version, which we were actually happy with. Not I I, did, I executed it, but it was actually Hugo's design. Okay, he came up with with the look of the sort of art, artichoke kind of look. Yeah, which I love. Uh-huh. It's beautiful. Um, I think like a kaleidoscope was uh, for me one of the more fun ones, just like uh, like disco, because it's sort of out there, and once you get it. It's kind of cool.
1: It also seemed like the one that got the most attention
2: from the design community. Yeah. Kaleidoscope? Yeah.
1: I use kaleidoscope.
2: Yeah. The, the animating icon on the website was the thing. That Just... I know.
1: <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. And you, and you said it's yeah. like nobody does it anymore, but you no. said it so matter-of-factly, which is yes. interesting. <laughs> nobody does
2: it. nobody I, does it. No, nobody. It, it's... Uh, All all those guys are doing other stuff now. All the guys who were able to do that moved on and Facebook. You still (laughs) see some
0: crazy stuff from like Louie and Alexa. They do some crazy shit. The whiskey icon that Louie did. Oh my God. That Uh, ice cube. Holy shit. Yes. I watched Alexa drawing emoji the other day.
2: Oh oh my God. No, it's amazing. It's still out there. It's just like, I I don't know. I think like part of the problem here also is like the. the platform back then was a lot smaller, and so it was easy to stand out, yeah um n- not so much anymore and then mobile kind of made things a bit more complicated, like Mac was the platform where a lot of the design happened, and so a lot of attention was paid paid on a lot of that. Now it's all on mobile, and on mobile, there's a bunch of amazing stuff being designed for for sure, even on the app icons, yes. We have to admit that, but I'll
1: still. admit it. <laughs> Absolutely, no. I, I don't mean to say that everything's lost its artistry. Um, it's just changed. Well, I mean, it's shifted. Yeah,
0: simplicity doesn't mean a lack of artistry necessarily. No,
2: it's though like there is something about the simplicity of essentially logo. Let's be honest. Like most mobile app icons or mm-hmm. desktop icons are essentially logos uh, that. I mean, I'm not gonna say that skeuomorphism is awesome. Like, there are boundaries to, to totally. things. Totally. Um,
0: well, there's context too, right? Like, it works within a certain context.
2: Yes. Um, but I do, like I said, I even think, like, even functionally, we've lost some some aspects by moving more towards a, essentially like a logo based world when it comes okay. to icons, which is kind of sad. And and like we lost something functionally. Like, what
0: kind of functionality? Like, what do you feel like we lost?
2: Um, Like ease of recognition or okay. like the depth the brand gets by like investing that much in an icon. Like like the disco icon that says something. It says like, I'm wild and weird and crazy and like... Someone spent a lot of yeah. time Shit's on this. Shit's going down. Shit's going down. Whereas like, <laughs> if, if you look at the Glyph version of that, you're kind of like, yeah, circle with a flame. Cool. Well, do better, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, so let's jump back to Sofa. Yeah. Um, what was the impact of winning... Two Apple Design Awards while you were building sofa.
2: I've never thought about that. I think that's probably because it didn't affect us that <laughs> Zero much. No, no, no. I mean, it was recognition, which does good things for morale and and ego. Um, but like factually for the company, it didn't change that much. I mean, it changed. Um, our relationship with Apple, which got better. We got better. That can support. be really
0: useful. Holy I mean, you have shit. to remember,
2: these were the days before app stores. And so, like, yeah, that's today, true. that would be like a big deal. Uh, back then, it was spending time with people you didn't hear about that much, but were very useful to us and, and mm-hmm. good contacts to have. Um, so it didn't change that much. I mean, it changed uh, people emailing us more often to do work for them, which was actually the the opposite of what we were looking for. <laughs> oh wow!
1: <laughs> but at yeah. that point, you ha- you were picking and choosing clients that you wanted, and
2: essentially, like the last two three years, we basically didn't do anything. We didn't have to do anything anymore because we made enough money, uh like barely enough money to to pay our full staff. Was there a tipping point when that
1: happened? Versions. Versions was the one. Yeah, and then after that,
2: a lot of the other stuff um, just piled on, and it was was good. Yeah.
1: I'm not quite sure how to frame this because I don't know sure how much you care about like titles and things like yeah. that. But when did you, s- what was your range from working on icons to actually doing what we would today call product design building
2: software? Right. Um, I did everything, uh, and I've always done everything. <laughs> okay. Um, so it
0: was a startup is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Right. Um, well, I- one of the explicit reasons for me to to start Sofa uh, was to not just like work with other people, uh, but was also to get out of the sort of uh, get out of being pigeonholed as an icon designer, uh, because I I worked on an open source uh, project Camino, which mm-hmm. was one of the first Mac browsers, and that I was Camino. I used Camino, awesome. yeah. <laughs> um, and that was the sort of the first project where I really was like. Okay, so design doesn't just need to be like the pretty thing, which and oftentimes just the icon is because like I designed the icon then I download the app when it was shipped and I was like, oh my God, I want to tear my hair out and my eyes are bleeding because the rest is shit. And so like for me, one of the main reasons of, of starting Sofa and doing projects like Disco with a friend of mine um, was to, to become a product designer and to do lots more and not just like do the visual design of an icon, but do everything. And so at Sofa, I did... Uh, everything
1: do you still believe in that
2: for a, a younger designer starting out to try and do everything generalism if you get the chance absolutely uh, you'll learn a lot from it um you'll learn where you are good at you will learn what you're bad at uh which is a very useful set of <laughs> yes uh things to know yes. about yourself um it yeah i i really enjoyed doing everything i did I did some coding here and there at Sofa, which I was not good at. Um, still not pretty good at. I didn't do a lot of business stuff. Kuhn and Dirk did a lot of business stuff, but then for the rest, uh, I did a lot: sales, support, everything. Yeah.
1: Then in two thousand and eleven, yeah, what happened?
2: Uh, we got a call, <laughs> or um, if I remember correctly, Dirk got a call from Mark. Uh uh-huh. Because that's what Mark used to do back then. The Zuck himself. The Zuck himself called and um, and uh, wanted to talk about design collaboration. Okay. Which was interesting. Yeah.
1: At the time, uh, the concept of aqua hires Yeah. Was lent more towards engineering teams. Yeah. And this was an aqua hire for
2: design. Design. That it was, was design new. and culture. Yeah. It's right. the way they phrased it. Yeah. It was pretty different. It was pretty weird for us. Um, because first of all, I had never used Facebook. I had an account, but I'd never used it. You're like, who's this Mark Zuckerberg Uh, guy? No, seriously. (laughs) I had no context. I had to watch the movie and read a bunch of articles to understand what the heck was
1: going on. The whole, the whole sofa team sat around and had movie night, watched the social network. We
2: did not know, man. It was pretty wild. Uh, we were all very avid Twitter users who wasn't back in those days in the Mac community. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty wild. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. And we totally asked that question, which is like, why the hell did they want to talk to us? Like, what do we, like, it's not our products. We're not that good engineers. What the heck do they want? Um, did they explain? Well, they talked about like design as being the topic of conversation, which kind of scared us because there were quite a few engineers working at our company. Right. Yeah. Ah.
1: So the three co-founders were you and kuhn and dirk
2: yes the originals and the originals hugo joined as a founder as well okay like i think a year later
1: what was that discussion like to say okay we have we can basically pick any client we want money at this point is not really an issue and here's facebook
2: it was interesting for sure um some awkward honest conversations happened obviously I think the most important thing was that we realized that the the chance of something like this happening or happening again was rare or perhaps even non-existent. And so that was the main reason to even entertain, first of all, having the conversation and, like, go from there. So we didn't make any decisions up front. We just went out there and we're like, let's just see what happens and then we'll talk.
1: Okay. So you flew out to Palo Alto. Yeah met the team yeah what was that like
2: it was very interesting um i think of all there i was the most acquainted um because i i already knew some people i knew drew because i i worked with him drew hamlin drew hamlin um and there were some other people that i knew and i'd worked with as a freelancer with a bunch of people out in the bay and so i had sort sort of a vague understanding um, of the culture and stuff like that, uh, which was good because so i didn 't step in completely awestruck and Kuhn and Dirk had done a lot of homework on the business side, and we had watched the social network yes definitely. twice twice <laughs> on the airplane yes <laughs> um, so it w- it was it was on the one hand it was uh sort of terrifying uh and amazing all overlapped in one um but it was it was mostly great to to actually see that the the cultural part was where we were most aligned. What do you mean? Like early days, Facebook was very similar in the way it operated as we were at Sofa, which was like very flat because we were small, very hands-on, very experience-based, focusing a lot on, on the experience, on like what people want, like sort of people or human-centered design. And Chris and Mark talking a lot about wanting to make sure that design was something that, that, that Facebook had to take more seriously and wanted to build out. What was
1: your directive? Like when they said we want you to come, what did they want you to do for design at Facebook?
2: They didn't give us a, a directive.
1: <laughs> they just said we want your
0: culture.
2: They they said we want you guys to come and join and like
0: three D rendered icons everywhere. <laughs>
1: yeah, and help wherever make us a you better can. favicon.
2: Black
0: flames, a, please.
2: <laughs> it was a r- rare and strange aqua hire because they didn't hire us as a team. Right. It was really more sort of like a sort of cultural investment in Facebook as a whole, because as soon as we stepped in, we basically parted ways and started working on different things. And some of the team members worked on products for a while together, but most of us sort of dissipated into the company.
1: So you mentioned at the time that the cultures were somewhat aligned. Yeah. But y'all made the leap to Palo Alto. Did it live up to that alignment? Like what? What happened when you actually started seeing a little bit more?
2: It definitely lived up, uh, in my opinion. Um, I don't think that's true for everybody. I really liked the new sets of challenges that we were given or, or that were available. I really liked um, the sort of uh, maturation of process, even though back in the day it was kind of st- a mess. Um, and even today, I would argue, as an industry, what process are we talking about? <laughs> um, yes. But relative to where we were, like it was a, a pretty amazing environment from, from a product development perspective and from a cultural perspective, absolutely. I mean, it was like you just talked to the people you were building with and you talked to Mark when you had a question about something or he walked up to you and asked you about something. It was totally the same that way as it was with Sofa.
1: Okay. Yeah. What did you start working on?
2: Lots of different things.
1: Oh, I know. What did you? What was the first one?
2: Good grief! Um, well, the first thing was uh, I worked on timeline. Yeah. Remember that big uh-huh. giant thing that kind of went weird. Uh-huh. Um, but I worked. <laughs> I worked with oh, the explanation. Uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that thing. <laughs> it was complicated. Um, but I specifically worked on an icon project, um, which was the major live events icons, yes. which was fine. Flat which was, glyphs. Flat glyphs, which was surprisingly hard uh-huh. uh, and was a lot of fun. Um, I worked together with an amazing researcher um, because, for the first time ever, there were researchers, and I was like, "Holy crap, let's work with a researcher!" Because I, I don't know why, but that's probably a good idea. Not? Yeah. Um, and then I quickly found out why, because like we were making these sort of like little icons to visually symbolize major events in people's lives and as I was making the icons and asking her like do you think this will work she was like okay let's ask our localizers (laughs) and then we get feedback back and she'd be like "Um, well there are some issues in this region of the world with this icon and be like oh okay like one example is um, so right now when you say you had a baby, which I just had a month ago, and you add that to your timeline, you get this little sumo wrestler baby. Okay. <laughs> um, I kind of don't like it, but it was the best I could sort of make uh, given the tiny resolution we had um, and what it didn't have to signify. And I, I made 10 different ones, and um, they all had issues. Like if you do a stroller... Um, some parts of the world, they don't have trawlers. If you do a pacifier, there are people against pacifiers. If you do a little bottle, there are people against bottle feeding. So you you get down this, you do a rattle and like some cultures don't have rattles. You go down this rabbit hole and you're like, oh my good Lord, how am I going to make something that will actually like work across the world, right? I'd never done that. Um, And then I made an icon, which is like uh, a little baby that was swaddled. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the cutest. This is so awesome. And we tested it. And then we found out that, if I remember correctly, in Indonesia, they only do that when the baby died. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So see, just making an icon and then making sure it actually translates across the world is like somewhat complicated.
0: Now, if you'd rendered that baby out in 3D.
2: (laughs) You'd be talking about. Spending six months doing that one icon.
1: Did you like that process? Having come from a place where you're doing these crazy things like disco to having to really pay attention to the cultural implications? It was
2: one of the things I actually explicitly wanted to get out of the experience of working at Facebook, which was that research and analytics were the two things I was really, really hungry for. I had made apps for a long time already, like six or seven years, and I had no damn clue how people were using it or if anything I was making was making any sense to the people using it. The only lifeline I had was support email. That was it. That was the only way short of like me looking over the shoulders of my colleague using our own developer tools or me using my own app. I had no idea. And so, yeah, absolutely. Like research and analytics were the two things I explicitly, when I talked to Kate and Mark, was like, I want a lot of that because I don't understand. I don't know. And the only things that you have that I don't, that from a process perspective, I would love to use more are are those kinds of
0: things. So the goal is perspective and analytics and research gave you those? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: What did you work on after the MLE icons? MLE Major life event Wow accounts. Brian you've drank
0: the Kool-Aid No,
2: no he knows
0: MLEs dude
2: <laughs> <laughs> Acronyms
0: Yeah Um. What did I work Facebook on? Facebook is officially a big company yes. It's all three letter acronyms uh, yeah. TLAs <laughs> I believe they call them Every TLA? six months we have a post That says acronyms. don't
2: use acronyms <laughs> so No more No more <laughs> No more acronyms Even Mark himself Sometimes is like "ML <laughs> What? What are you talking about? Uh, no, what is it?
1: The H HPM
2: Oh yeah <laughs> What does that mean?
1: I don't even remember because I've worked at Facebook for 10 months and I just learned what it stood for and then I forgot.
2: I don't know even either. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Um, What did I work on after that project that I cannot talk about? Perfect. Yep.
0: That's good podcast content right there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you can't talk about that.
1: What happened after the thing that you can't talk about?
2: Um, I worked on... um,
0: another thing he can't talk about
2: (laughs) no 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 i worked on the the whole uh redesign of pages for mobile and native mobile specifically and working together with the awesome people from um goala on our uh nearby product which is a long time ago but was an awesome awesome team and awesome product that's like
0: josh and tim josh williams uh adam keegan jones keegan
2: yeah those guys that That was was also
1: early days of the concept of native at Facebook at all?
2: Yeah. Pages, the product I worked on was the second native product on the Facebook app. So, newsfeed was the first, and then the second was Pages, which was totally wild. Were these, so these are, are like
0: f- company pages, right?
2: So, Pages on Facebook are sort of everything except people. Okay. That's the best way to describe it. Because N- it non-personal entities. Though they can be. <laughs> you can have a page for a fan page, right? Got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, even celebrity pages are... That. They're hashtag brands. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Whatever. <laughs> They're everything except you and me. Well, okay. yeah. the, well this we, is have, we have a
0: Facebook page for design details. Yes,
2: so. exactly. exactly.
1: Yeah. But that's what's fascinating about pages is it's yeah. so hard yeah. in one word to describe what that encompasses yeah. or even in a sentence or even yes. in a paragraph. Like, yes. It's a million use cases. It's everything. And you're also doing this on mobile when Facebook's first yeah. getting into mobile when app design is still relatively new. This yeah. is like iOS five, six yeah. days. Uh, what was that transition like for you?
2: Um. Well, I'd never done any mobile. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, Sofa was all Mac yeah. desktop. Um, so I, I don't know, we just... Did it. What's
0: desktop? Do people build stuff for desktop? <laughs> That's a great question, Bryn.
2: I, I, most people these days think desktop is web, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about native desktop apps. Like total, who the heck makes those things?
0: Nobody. Well, well,
2: design tool makers. But yes, have you
0: seen any of the design tools going on the web?
2: Yes, I have. There's one, right? Which one is it? Figma. Yeah, that one. <laughs> that one. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've seen it. Uh, it's pretty wild. It's really cool. I know. It's kind of crazy.
1: For the sake of time, yes. can I fast forward go, through go some for of the other it. things? Yeah. Uh, you worked on pages. You worked on things with location and Gowalla. Uh, you eventually moved to events. You yep. did things like pages discovery. I have all these things written out. No. Anyways, huge, of, huge <laughs> range of product. Tons of stuff, uh, yeah. Sports stadium.
2: Well, which, it's the crazy thing. Once you become a design manager, at least you're touching in the role, Yeah, you start touching lots of different product areas. And I ended up being on a very wild- Least spread portfolio of product.
1: <laughs> well, we should actually. When did that transition happen from, from IC up to, to manager? Not up. Three up to Three,
2: sideways. Sideways. Side to manager. ICs <laughs> and managers
0: are the same sorry, brand. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
2: <laughs> Three years ago.
1: Three years. Yeah. Okay. Almost Why course. did you decide to do that?
2: We talked about this earlier, right? Which is like, I, I like to be involved with lots of different things. I like doing lots of different things. <laughs> I want to do everything. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Who doesn't?
2: Yeah. I totally agree with you on that. It it wasn't actually, like, uh, a, a thing I wanted to do per se. I was actually having a blast being a, a product designer. Uh, but then um, my then awesome uh, design manager, Margaret, asked me, like, Hey, is that Megs. something you... Yeah. She's so great. I know. She's amazing. And she was like, is that something you'd like to do? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I've never done that. Or I, I've done something like that, but not the same. Um, I mean... Basically, I bowled down to, I'll give it a try. If I fail, is it cool if I don't do it? And she was if like, If I fail, sure. just don't fire me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was like, sure, let's give it a try. And it worked out. So, and three years later,
1: yeah. you left. So obviously, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier that when you got to Facebook, the process was crazy. Um, maybe not even completely there. And then when you left... I guess some things had changed.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I joined Facebook, I I think they and we were, were operating the the same way Sofa was, which is like by the seat of our pants. Um,
0: That's a process, right?
2: <laughs> no, it, it, it totally is, right? You keep trying and, and then when it works, then you work off of that. And if it doesn't, well, then it doesn't. And you learn how to cut it quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, A lot has changed and... It's complicated to sort of tie, tie it up into a, a neat little paragraph, obviously, but a lot of it has to do with just like the sequence of basic stuff, which is like, do market research before you decide anything. Uh, do a bunch of research and design explorations before you build anything. Once you've done some of that, then build something, right? Um, like either an actual product or a prototype, then talk to people. And then based off of feedback, do some iterations and then show it to people. And, like, God, I had no idea. Nobody had any idea. Certainly not at Sofa. um, But in early days of Facebook, there was no such sort of, like, process that people had gone through multiple times. I think, like, when I joined Facebook, I was one of the few people that had made multiple products before they joined Facebook. A lot of people that were at Facebook had built nothing other than Facebook. Crazy. Which was crazy. And so now, a lot of people... At Facebook that have been there for a while have gone through the process of building products or features, however you want to call it, multiple times. And the going through it multiple times teaches you that there are patterns, that there are similarities, that there are certain problems you'll bump up against again and again. And so the process I just described is sort of the bare bones that there is a certain sequence of, 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 of doing things. And I think the big, one of the biggest mistake I see a lot of people making, um, and startups do that all the time is they build because they can. Um, which annoys the crap out of me and is a very dangerous thing to do. I'd like to first know what the problem is and then explore and get feedback and research before I actually build something
0: just because... You're building blind otherwise, right?
2: You're building blind and you're hurting the people who've built it because (laughs) they've invested and it's something you can't underestimate either. It's like kind of sucks to hear like, hey, the thing you built for six months is like, why did you build that? It's not useful. It's just much nicer to go through a process where everybody understands what they're doing, why they're doing it and how it's actually solving a problem collectively.
1: When you switch to design managing, yeah. You are then trying to do this process on multiple products at the same time, different teams, totally different problems. Do you feel like that process still maps to all of
0: these? Yes. These different use cases. Yeah. It
2: does. Absolutely.
0: It's so it's pretty general.
2: I think it's pretty general um and again, we're talking about team Process, we're not so much talking about design process. I personally feel like most designers actually know pretty well what the process is, um, but I think like stumble when the overall team process is actually failing, right? Even as a designer, you're thrown into a team that's already building something and you're like, Hang on. What are we building? Why are we building it? And you're trying to design for it. Like you're having a hard time to keep up. Whereas if if you're bought on early, you're part of the sort of like ideation of defining what the problem space is and what kind of potential solutions. You don't have to sort of like struggle uphill as much. I think most designers, when we know the iterative process, we understand how that works. That is baked into what our profession is. It's just like when we're thrown in situations where that's not embraced and where, where critical thinking or critiquing is not part of the, the building the product, that's when things start falling apart quickly for us.
1: From the design manager perspective, yeah. how would you step in and and solve for when that process or any process in general is starting to go awry or you notice designers building before they should? Like, What's the right way to intervene?
2: I had the luxury to have some leverage to talk with the the product managers and researchers and basically see if we can sort of pause building, uh, which is painful. Saying the word slow down is hard. Yep. Absolutely. Um, it has making, political like yeah, issues yeah. internally, making sure that we basically go back to sort of a research phase where we actually ask the hard questions of like, what are we making? I think like, um, when John Lax joined, he actually, um, started using pretty aggressively the jobs to be done framework and that really is that sort of tool that you throw it at a team it's like here apply this and if they can't answer the questions that it asks in like a day you're basically have no idea what you're doing which is terrifying for teams right it's very confronting it's kind of kind of painful uh but for the teams who do know what they're doing it's awesome because they're like yeah yeah we we've done that we know what we're doing we know where we're doing it which is awesome going back to your question it's really like just slowing it down and asking the right questions up front to make sure that we actually know what we're doing and why we're doing it. And if the sequence of, of things that we're doing are, are done in the right order. But
1: you mentioned you were able to pull that off at times because you had a certain degree of leverage. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do if you don't have that leverage and you see these things happening?
2: Persevere. <laughs> that, yeah, true. Or in some cases, yell. Um, yeah, I... Uh, I uh, when I came from Sofa, there was a lot of yelling for me as a tool to get things done because we were like old <laughs> dudes and that was the way to do it, which was terrible. Um, I had some lovely conversations with HR early on, got good relationships with HR. Key, and, uh, and, uh, key. Yeah, no, no, totally. Um, but yeah, it's it's really, if you really truly believe there's something fundamentally wrong in what you're doing or in the way you're doing it, like just stick through it and like bite into it and don't let go until it's fixed. Otherwise it won't.
1: And you did that for five years at Facebook. Yeah. And now (laughs) you're winding down.
2: I'm winding down. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed all those five years. I've learned a lot. I am. uh, It's a bittersweet. Um, I want to go back to Amsterdam to family, support my wife and my kids Give her a chance at her career, which she's not been able to do while she was here. Um, but I'll, I'm, I'm also going to miss a ton uh, being at Facebook and the people there and everything I've learned and, and would have been able to do and have to watch from the sidelines now, which is kind of awkward.
1: Do you have any? <laughs> yeah. Do you have any idea what's next?
2: No, I don't. I, I explicitly, uh, decided not to commit to anything either personally or, or with, uh, anybody else. So I'm going back blind, which will be interesting. I'm giving myself a year to, uh, to just focus on family and I'll probably get some itch somewhere to, to do something, <laughs> uh, personally. But, um. I give you a month. <laughs> It's been a month already, <laughs> and uh, yes, something's itching, um, but I have no concrete ideas, no no places to go, no people I'm going to work with, uh, no commitments. No. Well, thanks for taking the time to come talk <laughs> to us before you go.
0: Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm glad, glad it worked me. out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, we, we are well over an hour at this yep. point. Uh, is there anything you want to plug before we go?
2: No. Come talk to me.
1: In Amsterdam?
2: Anywhere, anytime. Twitter? If you, if you think you know what I should do, <laughs> Let Tell me, me. Let me know. <laughs> uh, come work for us. Come work for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, uh, well, I mean, I'm going to be in Amsterdam, so that's hey. one constraint. But hey. uh, otherwise, uh, totally come talk to me. Awesome. awesome.
0: Thanks for hanging out. Thank you. Appreciate it. so much, Jasper. Thanks for listening. Thank you to Jasper for coming and hang out with us. Super glad we got to hang out with him before he went back to Amsterdam.
1: A couple announcements before we go. First, we're having uh, another meetup here in San Francisco, June 15th, with the RAD crew from sketch and Nihilus, uh sebastian dewith has been putting this together
0: we're not doing a live episode here we're just hanging out and it's gonna be super fun because we just get to chill hang out with you people
1: so it's already full but we're going to try and let more people in from the wait list so there's a link in the show notes if you want more info and we'll definitely be doing more meetups in the future
0: thanks to all of you our t-shirt is back on cotton bureau which is amazing it has only been off sale for like three weeks and already 40 people requested back 52 people 53 A bunch of people requested it back already, which is awesome. Super encouraging. They're awesome t-shirts. I love them. I'm super excited about the fact that they're there and they're super cheap. We don't take any cut. Cotton beer lets you kind of like pick how much money you make and we pick zero. So go buy them. They're awesome. A link to that
1: will be in the show notes. Before we go again, thank you so much to Wayno for making this episode possible. They are an incredible design agency doing work out here in San Francisco with amazing clients like Google, Airbnb, Cisco, Reuters, Red Bull, Dropbox, an incredible lineup of work. They just released the new website for Boosted Boards featuring Dan Petty, who also works there. They're hiring amazing people and you should join them. To learn more, go to Ueno.co, U-E-N-O dot Check out their work click the careers link in the header, tell them we sent you. And if you're in the Bay Area, come hang out with us on Fridays at their weekly happy hour. Thank you so much again to Wayno and we'll see you next week.